Welcome to Oral Fixation and welcome to Chromatica. This special episode, Andy and I discuss the brand new album by Lady Gaga, which was released basically yesterday on Streamline and Interscope Records. Of course, as per usual, any audio clips that we use are used solely for the purposes of review and critique. And we just can't wait to get into this. And even though the world is so shit and awful right now, we're just so thankful for Gaga. Let's go. On the mic, I'm in a soft furnished room. Look, this will be the last time you hear from me from this house, Toots. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Um, and just when you'd figured to switch out the microphone on. Oh, well, when that mic's not on. But um, who knows what sunny climbs we'll be um, chatting, chatting from next. In fact, who knows if we might do an IRL um it episode could when i come well and see you be. it could well mm. be miss things so do you want to do a quick can you just ask me a quick question oh um hello world hello america quick question are you brown cow stunning i fucking hate her <laughs> what <laughs> she no one deserves to go on all stars one season after your own season sorry they don't aja okay she was good Katya. Okay, she was good. Ginger? Wow, Katya. Wow, that yeah. is amazing, isn't it? No, I but, think the tea is yeah. that they were literally, um, it was at the reunion, not the reunion, the finale, the season seven finale, production mm. approached Katya and Ginger and said, girls, pack your bags. Yes. I want to get like the dates clean. Like the, I want to see all the dates of the filming and everything and just see where it all adds up. Mm. Um, Anyway, hun, look, here we are. Like, what are we going to call this? This isn't a quick fix. It's not a Christmas special, obviously. Although some would say that Santa's came um, <laughs> with the goodies now. Bastarding tits. <laughs> what? Like, we've never done this before. We've never done a. Is it a listening party? Is well, it a? Well, I think what I'd like to sort of. Uh, well, we can we can workshop some names, but. I don't know, initial reactions to... Um, I actually feel a bit bad <laughs> that we didn't do this. Um, we we should have done this for Madame X. Madame X will have her time. Okay, uh, okay. I just felt like, you know... Initial fix. Initial fix. <laughs> oral... Uh, initiation. Oral initiation? Something like that. Like we said, we'll <laughs> workshop. We'll um, workshop. Because the thing is, I, and also, and I'm sure that you'll agree with me on this. So we are not, well, we're going to have to timestamp it a bit, but it's it's Monday the 1st of June on Friday the 29th of May. So the Friday just gone, Chromatica dropped in our, uh, in our slim boxes on our Spotify's. So we've had three days to listen for it to kind of marinate, but... I'm certainly And I think when this, this comes out, um, it will have been about a week since the album It would have been a week. Yeah. So this mm. is, yeah, we're kind of, um, the production turnaround time is quite tight. But there are albums that have taken years to resonate with me or for something to click Indeed. or, you know. So mm. whilst these opinions that we share now um, are valid, uh, they are also subject to change. And I think that that's actually just a general, I mean, we're a, 
a sort of music review <laughs> podcast. So take this with a pinch of salt. But re- music reviews in general, just reading... Oh my gosh. Like, they just have, they have to happen so quickly, and... Well, can we just talk about that? Because I think... Yes! Oh, I know I definitely have, and I'm not sure if you have, but I, I have written reviews for Name Drop published magazines as an intern, and at the time, I even remember writing them. Um, it was actually really cool, because it was well into internet downloading era, but for... And, and many albums had leaked at that time, but... Um, for some reason, I, I mean, I was just impressed that there was actually some big name albums that would still get posted on CD. And I remember like sliding the CD into this kind of old, comp- you know, the, the big old actual computer, which plugged into the monitor. Um, oh, I, I hear you, sis. And, and feeling quite impressed that, you know, people could still have some degree of, um, not espionage, whatever. Um, they beat the leaks. Um, yes. Shout out to Rebel Heart. Um, uh, now, we, when you said to me, let's do Chromatica, it'll be lol, I was like, sorry, but no, because I know for a fact that my opinions are only ripen, only ferment, shall we say, um, at least a good month. But you won me round, and I'm glad mm. that we're doing it. But just but on music reviewers, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how someone can give a fully realised opinion of an album um, within hours of listening to it, and then kind of stand by their words. Like, are you sure it won't marinate for a bit, and then you'll appreciate different songs deeper? Or does anyone really care? Well, this is the thing. I I I'd sort of counter act that and say, uh, I. I don't know how seriously I can take a reviewer's opinion if it's so um, immediate. But often that's the case. That's the thing I'll tell myself if I read a review about something I love that is scathing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, give them a few more years, they'll get it. What would you say is... um, Can you... Can you name an album that you um, really didn't vibe off when it when it first came out? And then maybe, like, what's the longest period of time it took for oh, you to now gosh. love it? Oh, Can you think of any off the top of your head? So, um, I, d- I doubt you'll have listened to it, but um, one of Bjork's most recent albums is about her divorce, the Volnikura album. And honestly, yes, when it came out, I thought yeah. it was a steaming pile of shite. Right. And then about, I'd give it, about a year and a half later, I went on a drive and just um, put it on start to finish. And I think I spent the rest of the drive wondering why it had taken me so long to appreciate the majesty before my ears. Right. And and that will forever be a good, yeah. Um, it, I don't know, maybe you might, sometimes you have to be in the right place in well, your life to appreciate things like that. Sometimes music comes to you when you're ready to receive it mm. or like a, a love for music. Um, and on, on this album, Chromatica, like I, uh, bitch, I, I've been done ready. Mm. Um, and I was not disappointed, mm. but even like, let's say, okay, just to quickly go back to Joanne, which is Gaga's, um, fifth studio album that came out in 2016, the predecessor to Chromatica. When, I'll be completely honest, when that first came out, 
there were songs I loved, but by and large, I was a bit like, but over time, the the tendrils of the album mm, kind of mm. embedded themselves into me, and it mm. has become a very, very important emotional album for mm. me. But it was something that had to grow over time. It wasn't something that I could just immediately dive into. Now, for better or worse, this album, I oh, have you got a little um, <laughs> screaming, little screaming baby there? Yeah, and we can edit Wally out this time. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Wally. Um, yeah. But yes, look, for better or worse, this album done got me hook, line and sinker from Chromatica 1. Mm. Um, now look, my, and that actually, in it, it might be that in a, a few months, um, the songs don't resonate with me as, mm. as much as other songs from Joanne that took a while. Um, mm. But yes, this is um, my sort of initial... Um, Review is, is basically tens across the board. Got it. Okay, well, let's just stop recording now then. Because I've okay. got dinner waiting. I've got dinner in the okay. oven, so... Cool. All right, well, well that, that was, was good. that was fun. Okay. Yes, yes, that was nice. That um, was great. No, you've tuned in now, listeners. You, 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 we've got to give you some value for money, so... Okay, so how are we going to go about this? How do we want to skin this cat? Well, the way that I'd like to skin this cat, and skinning cats is subjective. I'm open mm. to, to alternates. But um, the traditional one is going through track by track. But I feel like we'll all get a bit of fatigue by the end. Yeah, the listener I just feel that's us, a bit listicly. Um, I, we, and d- committed listeners will already know the kind of role that Lady Gaga plays in both of our musical landscapes. So I don't think we need to retread that too much. But I think mm-hmm. what's interesting to talk about is... Where is Chromatica within her career up to this point? Where has she been before and where we think she might be going? Um, Because I think Chromatica is significant at this time of her career. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, there are obviously songs that we do need to touch on. Um, And then maybe we could kind of wrap up with like pros and cons. Okay. Or in Drew's case, pros. (laughs) No, do you know what? Um... Look, I am just an out Gaga apologist and there are many instances where she can do no wrong, but there are a couple of things about this album that were a bit... <laughs> and I am going to address them, okay? I am going to address cool. them. But Love Andy, it. why don't you... You just said about um, where we're at in terms of the timeline of Gaga. We've got to LG6, Chromatica. Um... What's led us Al- to this moment? Algae 6, I feel, has had... I, I don't know if it's um, technically true, but I feel like we've had the longest wait between um, a classic Gaga album, and I think that might have something to do with the huge success of A Star Is Born and how different that is from the rest of her um discography and also Mm. you won't hear a bad word about joanne on this podcast but joanne is of course very different from gaga's traditional output for better or for worse yeah Um, but i do feel like um sorry to interrupt you there but Mm. and maybe we discussed it in the lady gaga episode but after watching a star is born and and that whole kind of um shallow exploding thing joanne led actually so beautifully into 
the tone of a star. Oh, it did. They're very much cousins, kissing cousins, some would say. Kissing cousins. seen them kiss, yes. yes. Um, and I love, <laughs> it didn't resonate as strongly with you as it did with me, but I love the sprinklings of what I'd call that older classic Gaga with the, the alley tracks. So your heel me's, your hairs, well, your bodies, your faces. No, look, don't get me wrong. I, I didn't, um, I didn't dislike them. I just didn't, uh, the alley bangers, the alley songs were bops, they weren't bangers. Got it. Yeah. In, and in, I think that's maybe in was their intent, possibly. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. But but I was um, kind of um, sat underneath the udder of Mother Monster's dairy cow, suckling <laughs> at the teat of pop bangery, because I was gagging for that lactose um, in the for, the for so long since, let's say, her, her last run of big bangers would have been the art pop era um, before that Born This Way. And there has just been this kind of um, break from what we'd call a big classic pop Gaga anthem, apart from, interestingly, when Joanne didn't resonate with listeners as clearly, as, as high as she'd, or her record label had hoped it would, um, she put out a song like The Cure, which mm-hmm. was very much Gaga now, but hearkening back to a tried and tested a genre that she knew would would go off. And, and sis, it did. It went off. It um, did, but that was actually a frustrating moment for me because got it. it felt to me for the first time, because The Cure is, I mean, The Cure is a straight up banger, but it's, it's very influenced by um, Tropical House, which was mm. at the time and still continues to be relatively popular. But at that time, when it came out, I think in 2016, 2017, that was the like musical style and it just felt it frustrated me because I felt like she was selling out a bit and she was following a trend rather than kind of like developing like all of her albums are so conceptual and they sort of orbit around a a theme and to kind of undercut I feel like Gaga whether it was her decision or um, the record companies in both um, releasing The Cure and also not performing, I think, any songs from Joanne apart from maybe Million Reasons in her Las Vegas residency, just completely mm. kind of undercut that whole um, stage of her career. And it frustrated me a bit because even though maybe it didn't commercially resonate with um, as many um, of her fans, mm. it still is part of her story and part of her journey. I think you're completely right. Yeah, that's so interesting. And maybe that will shape how I view the cure in as, as, as it goes on. But um, I think it definitely cheapens your enjoyment of it when you care about these things and you know that it's very transparently an attempt at kind of claiming back some of those fans that you might have lost by putting out an album which didn't resonate with the majority of your fan base, even though it really did with a certain chunk of it. Mm, anyway, yeah. so we're now in this place where um, she's done the movie, she's got the Oscar. Was it an Oscar? Or it was an Oscar, wasn't it? Yes. She got an Oscar for best song. She got the song. Um, she did the Super Bowl. <laughs> she did Bedtime she Stories. Did she did a Vita and she had a baby. <laughs> she had a baby. Um, she skipped a Vita. <laughs> skipped a Vita. Um, <laughs> <Chambaltor>. <laughs> um Now, going back to me sucking at the teat, um, yeah. just to that imagery... It's, it's obvious that th- those Gaga hardcore fans, which I would count us amongst, um, while there's a, there's a big variety of opinion within that community, I think we all still yearn for 
the days of the big bangers. And I think yeah. Gaga knew that she had to deliver. And I think what we needed was, dare I say it so early in, what she kind of gave, which mm. is a short, short for her, it's still 16 tracks, but usually she goes on for what, I don't know, 27. Um, <laughs> cohesive, consistent collection of bangers. And I think she knew that she had to deliver what people wanted, but still kind of reflect where she was at the stage of her life. And I think she's dealing with things like her physical health, her mental health, um, who she is as an artist, um, her maturity. Um, and we'll go on to talk about how much of a success um, it was in creating music, which acknowledge those different points but um i think we got an album which is worthy of maybe her the brief that she set herself or that was set before her i agree i think that um you're right like it's been art pop came out in 2013 so it's been seven years since we had that big banger theory <laughs> gaga um that we sort of fell in love with <laughs> that, that we that we fell in love with you know um and there throughout her career and especially with joanne she's shown different shades to what she's what she can do um her album with tony bennett was completely different a star is born was much more sort of you know um uh country and nuance blah 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 but this is just what we have been done waiting for little monsters mm. the world over have just been bending over, bussies out and proud, waiting, hungry, ravenous mm. to receive mm. this. Mm. And from the from the first chord, or whatever, I don't know, music theory, um, from the opening strings of Chromatica One, just hearing that, I was I felt like I was being in introduced into this cinematic world mm, there's been a deeply there's been a, cinematic there's been a bit and there's been a bit of chat around like chromatica being this kind of uh, hypothetical planet that gaga has created where sound and color and kindness all sort of coalesce and she exists here but she exists there too and it's all kind of i kind of generally speaking i'm fine with it there's some of it it's just words and goes over yeah. my head a bit yeah but um it feels like this is a more elevated Gaga that knows mm. what she's good at, knows mm. what she's um, knows what her fans want, but isn't willing to pay lip service to get from A to B. She's mm. she's in creating this world and being informed by kind of a lot of her past career, both from a sonic dance. Um, point of view but also with that sort of cinematic kind of almost movie score kind of mm. um three three tracks um it, it just feels like kind of gaga 2.0 it's like she's reached mm. her highest pokemon like status or whatever um i don't know if i'd say highest i'd say next stage of evolution for sure fine, next stage next stage mm. yeah next mm. stage next stage next craze next wave <laughs> next phase um but yeah for for me it um it definitely feels like um it's she's she's come not full circle but it, she's kind of 
uh, yeah, she's reached the next level and I'm not disappointed. But also very importantly, and I'm sure that you would have picked up on this, Andy, as, as it's one of your kind of favourite red threads throughout music. Whilst this album is incredibly high octane and very, very high energy and mm. there is not one single ballad on it, I think there's, a, there's mm. another, there's an international... There's an international version coming soon that I think has like maybe one ballad at the end. Mm, but mm. this is a high energy, high powered dance album. But the mm. lyrics at points are incredibly, incredibly sad and, mm. um, and introspective. At, at times triumphant and there's a lot of stuff about self-love, but there's also mm. a lot of stuff about struggle with mental health. As you say, struggle mm. with physical health, struggle with... Um, perception of oneself um, that that really spoke to me as well. So, hmm. Hmm. well, shall we go through um, some of our faves? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to start? Well, you've already touched on it, so let's continue. So, th- there there is a concept with this, and obviously, with Gaga, you know, there's going to be some kind of concept. It's what it's always going to be a bit of. It's we want it from her, and you, it's, there's also a tiny bit of an eye roll already programmed in with the kind of the lengths that she'll go to with the concept. But I'd much rather her have a concept than not. Um, oh, 100%. And, and what we've been given here is this kind of world that she's built or whatever. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't listened yet, which you absolutely should stop now and listen to the album, but I really doubt but I doubt there's anyone who hasn't. Um, the album is bookended by these interludes and there's one slap bang in the middle as well. And and I really believe that considering they are completely orchestral classical compositions, um, which she randomly, um, well, not randomly in terms of talent, we know she's talented enough to do it, but she um, wrote and produced them entirely with like the female keyboardist from M83. Like, really? Just their mind, yes. Oh. Um I think that despite this album being otherwise completely dance, it would really struggle narrative-wise without those interludes because the interludes each, um, they set the scene for the next few songs to follow. And I think they've been purposefully put there to create, to make it more cinematic and to make it more um, like a, a world but if, if they weren't there, the album would lose so much more than that. Um, it, it, it builds these chapters through the material. And I think we all know, if you if you know what I'm talking about with these interludes, the moment where Chromatica 2 goes into, what's the name of the, the song? Um, oh, hell. sign, no, wait, not, not 911. Oh, 911, yeah, 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 yeah. Is, is one of my top three moments of the entire album. Um, I, I keep going to that second interlude and just letting it go into 911 and then starting it again and listening it over over and over again. It is absolutely genius. This genius blend of um, an orchestra with dance music. Yeah. That's interesting because my favourite... Um, well, I, I actually think all three of them lead so well into the song. So mm. Chromatical One leads into Alice, which is the sort of... Mm the kind of the right let's get strapped in girls because this is gonna be it's drama it's fire it's shivers it's 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 like welcome to thunderdome welcome to chromatica here she is but my name is actually iconically isn't isn't alice Alice. okay yeah um 
Yeah, so the lead-in from Chromatica 1 into um, Alice, the lead-in from Chromatica 2 into Number 1, and then the lead-in from Chromatica 3 into Sign From Above, the duet with Elton John, is yes. also just so, uh, like, it's, like you say, the, the, the blending of classical with dance, for me, um, is, it, it, it's tricky to do, but it's so satisfying to listen to. Yes. And um, the interludes for me, sometimes I get it, sometimes they do my head. And I know that um, your soul sister, Miss um, Jackson, if you're nasty, is um, definitely... Um, oh, and a, I'm nasty. <laughs> definitely a, um, uh, a proponent of, of interludes. Yes. Sometimes they can feel a bit kind of forced for me. But this, because there's three... It's like you've got your yes. beginning, you've got your sort mm. of, yeah, your, your triumphant beginning, let's get into it, your middle mm. kind of, there's a, disequilib- there's a disequilibrium, but we're sort of, we're continuing mm. on, and then the final kind of almost like epiphany leading to resolution. Mm. Um, I just, I had, I checked, um, and I had mm. no choice but to stand. I did that check too. Did you get that online? Because I did yeah. that, and yeah. and I had no choice. Yeah, yeah. I, I oh, okay. To, yeah. Well, I was, I've got a voucher, so I'll 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 give it. I was going to give it to you, but I'll give it to someone else. Yeah, give it. Yeah, someone who needs it. Um, um, now, Alice, speaking of Alice, that I think might be my favorite song on the album. I I and I I see why it 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 really does it grabs you by the 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 jugular. And mm. it says, come on, love, um, let's go on the ride. Now, I, what, the only complaint that I have about the interlude is actually that there, there isn't one which ends the album. Um, the ending of the album is very different. Right. We'll get to that little girl oh, when we do. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I cannot. So, okay, right, at this point, at this point, we have to give the listeners some context. So as we said, it's Monday now, okay? The album came out on Friday morning. I texted, we had already decided that we were going to do this. And I said to Andy, look, if we are going to, because hearing you now say that you enjoy it is so pleasing to me because I had no idea that that's how you felt. But I had said to Andy, we're actually not going to be able to talk about this um, over the weekend because we have to keep our reactions genuine for, for the episode. So neither of us know how the other feels. All we're hearing now is, is sort of as it happens in real time. Let's just get into it. When I heard Babylon, well, it begins and it's fine. The minute those pianos started and she started speaking, I spat out whatever I was drinking. And I, I went, I went, I actually went bright red. I was embarrassed. <laughs> It was um, so shocking to me. If you haven't figured out already, I'm. Yes. The song is. It's. It, it just is Vogue. If you've heard Vogue by Madonna, you don't need to listen to Babylon because it's the exact same song. Almost to the point where I checked the credits to see if she'd credited correct, Madonna. Some, and she, correct. And she hasn't. And, <laughs> and how fire would it have been? If she had, but actually, iconically, more on that later. I actually do have some steaming oolong on all of that shablam. Yes, I've got, I am Jasmine Masters and I have some things to say on that. 
Um, well, I mean, could you spill the oolong now? So, so there's this incredible podcast called Inside the Groove by a deep Madonna stan, and he is also, I'd probably say, quite a, um, a proficient musicologist, so he knows so much about production and writing and music history and um, sampling and, and absolutely everything. So he pairs his passion for Madonna with this actually quite intense academic knowledge. And the quality of his podcast is, I strongly recommend, um, if you enjoy listening to Oral Fixation, it'll just sit so well, rightly in like your kind of the box of things you enjoy. It is an absolute deep dive into Madonna, but even if you just listen to a few of like songs that you love, they're only about 20 minute episodes. Anyway, he released this kind of rush release one over the weekend. And I listened to it yesterday when I was iconically crouting. Um, And he managed to, first of all, he makes it very clear from straight up that he loves Gaga. He's got zero interest in fanning the flames of this fake feud. Um, But he, he cannot ignore, like all of us, that there are deep similarities between the songs and that it's been the talk of the town all weekend on the webs. He gets on, I think he'd already had plans to interview this guy anyway, but someone called Tony Shimkin. Now, Tony Shimkin was an assistant producer to Shep Pettibone, who did um, so much with Madonna, late 80s, early 90s, specifically um, Vogue, um, Justify My Love, a lot of the erotica album. um, And... Tony Shimkin was actually in the studio with Madonna when Vogue was being produced and vocals were being laid down. So he was at the birth of Christ, essentially, in 1990. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And this guy, I can't remember his name, but he's an icon. So the guy who does the podcast asks Tony Shimkin, he's like, look, you've heard, I presume you've heard it by now. What do you actually think? Someone who had a hand in making this song. And he goes, honestly... um, Yes, they sound very similar. Yes, people like to pretend that this is feud between this women, but that's actually quite a common um, drum loop from a popular synthesizer machine of the time. Right. And I can't, I can't say in good faith that she copied Madonna. And you know what? When I heard that, I was like, I can't argue with someone who made Vogue with Madonna. Um, so I found that very interesting. Now, your take on that is, well you, well, you heard the piano specifically. So the piano paired with the drum beat is, of course, very Vogue, but I think it goes beyond Vogue. Babylon is actually, to me, I think a love letter to late 80s, early 90s house, dance, and pop, of which Vogue is a monster of that genre. But there's also shout-outs to other songs in it. So the weird animal noises at the start, they're from that song Pacific 707 by 808 State, who I've played at you before when you've been around mine with Ella, that we dance around to it. It's that kind of... uh, Ella said it reminds her of, like, Sydney clubbing in the heyday. It's that kind of breezy, Ibiza-esque... I think that that song is actually Babylon is is a patchwork of 90s dance tropes um, and it just so happens that Vogue probably is like the mother of those songs that's that so that's my hot take on Babylon I, I mm. I'm so glad you exist um, <laughs> to, to school the children yeah because as it sort of um, on, on re-listen, look, I love the song. I'm screaming at you going red, embarrassed. <laughs> like, <I'm screaming. laughs> I was in my kitchen and I just, I, I gasped. Right. I was over, I, and do you know, the, the first thing I in my head was, yeah. I thought, oh, to be a fly on the wall, <laughs> experiencing 
Andy hear this for the first time because I can literally imagine it going dun 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 and you just going (laughs) What, what I will say is that if she's trying to quash the people who there's not many people who say it anymore but if there's anyone still out there going on about this Madonna Gaga thing if she's trying to quash that she's not doing herself any favors so that's the that's kind of the other side of the coin for me it, it was like is she just saying i do not give a mother trucking whatnot about mm. these comparisons anymore and i'm going to go you you th- you think i'm copying madonna here you go here is literally her song just <laughs> changed a little bit but now that yeah. you mention it and on re-listening um i did think is this actually just um like you've said, 90s tropes. Um, and now I'm, I'm sort of more convinced that it's just the one that shines out the, the, the brightest is the, mm. the reference to Vogue. But mm. for... And there are references there, like with the lyrics about serving and it, it, it is very Vogue, but there's also other things as well. Yes. I mean, I'm like... Props to you, Mama, for um, for giving us such an easy ride, um, pun intended. Um, because uh, you there didn't were think times this was how it was going to go, did you? I I thought that you were going to be filing a <laughs> felony. <laughs> I thought you were going to be reporting a theft. Okay. Maybe um, I didn't because I fucking love it so much. It's a yeah. fierce song. It's fantastic. It's an amazing Absolutely. song, I think. Yes. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, oh well gosh, I find it interesting. Just the last, thing, the, the last thing I'll say on that is um, we've both been listening to that incredible shout out to when artists make Spotify playlists of their um, influences on an album. I really, really enjoy those. Um, some that spring to mind is um, Robin's playlist for the inspirations for Honey is incredible. Um, right. Randomly skipping genres, Brandy Carlyle's for um, her most recent album is amazing. And then Gaga with Spotify, I presume they paid her a shit ton to do it. She made this huge playlist with Blood Pop, who, while I think there are many chefs in this kitchen, more on that later, Blood Pop was her mm-hmm. executive producer on this, so he kind of wove it all together the two of them sat down and did this playlist on spotify to promote the album which is all of their 90s influences out and proud interestingly vogue is not on the playlist now i think that is a crime that's what i'll file a crime about it works not a big crime probably won't make it to courts but come on doll it should have probably been on there anyway that's all yeah maybe maybe the magistrate's court but that is um that seems a bit like uh a, a, a little bit mm. tone deaf, quite <laughs> literally, <laughs> given that um, they are, in fact, they're not even kissing cousins. <laughs> they're, they're, they're like they're, they're they're like twins having sex, mm, 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 you know. Mm. Um, anyway, so okay, let's um, take this opportunity to maybe each run through some of our. Our highlights. So, what, what yes. were your? What, what are some of your favorites? I have a real um, affinity uh, and love for Enigma. Yes, um, Enigma <gasps> just stands out to me as like Gaga excellence. It's, yeah, it's I triumphant. Completely agree. Question: 
Was this performed? Um, no, it wasn't in the set list. I've already checked. Right. So, 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 so did she on. have the song written then and then just chose not to perform it, or did no was idea. it inspired by the show? I have no idea. So if you if you if you're not already aware, her Las Vegas show was called Enigma, but I've checked and Enigma wasn't in the set list. So so shout out in the comments below if I'm wrong, but it's not on the Wikipedia page. Um, right. But what it is is a gay boner. It's, it's actually. Oh. It's shades of like M people and Manchester and Chicago and well, this it's completely is, uplifting. The, the the thing I loved so much about this album is that it is M people. It, it, it like it is mm. it's all of the best bits to me of nineties house. Um, mm. and dance and, and also like with songs like Replay heading into the early two thousands as well. Replay performed by Danny Minogue would not feel out of place on Neon Nights. And Iconically, that... Replay is like my only dirt. Oh, replay. okay. Replay hasn't resonated with me yet. I'll, I'll make a point of saying yet, but it's the only one which I've actually found myself skipping so far. Got it, okay. Um, yeah. But mm. the reason this is just all so on brand for me is just the the like it's almost as if like the periodic table of elements that made up mm. my love of dance music specifically have been kind of like mm-hmm. grabbed and then mm-hmm. like um you know used in in Those the iconic la- in... new town police siren sorry <laughs> one man's police siren is another man's <laughs> screaming infant um <laughs> Um, so, no. Yeah, Sour Candy? I, just... I think you mean Ready for Your Love by Azarian 3. <laughs> dun, 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 exactly, dun, 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 dun. And also, it's, I'll tell you what it also is. It's, um, there was a song by Tiny Temper and oh uh, Jess, no, 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 an iconic, either bisexual or lesbian woman, Jess Glynn. Um, oh. Called, um, I think it's called either Never Letting Go or No Letting Go, and it's got the same dun dun. dun. No, sorry, it's not that. It's um, it's the one with Tiny Temper and Zara Larson. Um, but boys, I know what boys like. I know what they. Anyway, look, it's playing in the background. It sounds the same. Got but, it. Um, Andy, what mm. do Ariana Grande, Blackpink, and Elton John have in common? Oh, um, I've got no idea. The answer is absolutely fucking nothing. And that is why I love Lady Gaga so much, because Mm. only Gaga could have Mm. an album where she has collaborations with the biggest pop star in the world, Mm. a K-pop band, and the biggest, one of the biggest pop stars to ever exist. Ever exist. All of which have had completely different careers, Mm. putting out completely different music, but it Mm. all feels not only does it feel cohesive each Mm. of the songs remain true to gaga but also each of the songs remain true to the collaborator i think and Mm. that is that is so impressive to me and i know Mm. i'm blowing smoke up her ass and i'm obsessed with her but Mm. i i've just got to acknowledge that because um it's something really really special i think Mm. Um, I think the most interesting one out of those three is the Elton track because I agree with you that it sounds authentically Elton but on the other hand it's like nothing Elton's ever done ever before it's it's a dance track I agree and I love to hear Elton's like 
banging vocals over this dance beat and it's another very uplifting song but it also does does feel out of i that song does have 12 songwriters and six producers mm-hmm. a touch on, overproduced man. possibly but um, it's one of my favourite songs on the album. It really is. Yeah. It's, this is the thing. Mm. Sometimes there are many cooks in the kitchen, but the, the food tastes good. Mm, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. Now, A Thousand Duffs. Wait, thousand sorry, quickly doves. though. Whilst we're chatting mm. about Sign From Above, I've just got a few thoughts. Sorry. Okay, yeah. First of all, like, to hear Elton's voice, it's so weird because, like, it comes in and he's like, when I was... I, I, I actually, when I first heard it, I, I laughed. I found it kind of a bit comedic. Mm. But it does mm. just make sense. It's so nice to hear him on a dance track. Almost, it, it becomes mm-hmm. very drum and bassy by the end. Um, mm-hmm. But what yeah. I I wanted, what I want, the collaboration with um, Florence Welsh, um, Florence and the Machine on Joanne, mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. so underwhelming to me and such a disappointment. I almost mm-hmm. wish that she'd been like on this album and they'd done this mm-hmm. kind of like big vocal banger. Um, mm. But do you remember how we were talking about? Um, I, ha- you know, I like to have my little theories about songs mm. and like worlds mm. they exist in. And so for me, my theory for Medellin, the song um, by Madonna featuring Maluma, um, mm. sound. My my theory was that it was almost as if um, it was an old woman, older woman, um, mm. looking back on like a holiday romance that she'd had and kind of duetting with the man um, Absolutely. who was, who was the that. age he was um, when they met <laughs> and she's grown old and he's kind of, he's never aged in her mind because she never saw him again and it was this kind of like... Um, now I have to of- I have to say something I- iconically off-brand for me and you on this podcast and ask you why the fuck are you banging on about Madonna and a Gaga episode? Because with... <laughs> um, with Gaga and Elton, I kind of like the the song is kind of uh, Elton's line begins like when I was young, I I felt indestructible or something. Um, I felt immortal. And yeah, right. Yeah. I yeah. almost imagine this kind of like chromatica <laughs> kind of like universe where Elton's like this like cyborg that's living forever as a machine. And kind of looking back on his, like, human life. And Gaga is there to kind of, like, help him navigate that journey. I, I still I need to that, workshop huh? it. I need to I workshop love that it. For you. But, yeah. I, I, think, uh, I think a reality, and this is still really cool, I think, is that um, Gaga has spoken about how Alton for her, and he's done this to many, many people, but Alton's been a huge mentor for her. Um, yes. And... I don't think she's had anywhere near the amount of um, substance issues that he's had. I mean, who's had anything like him, really? But he has kind of made it his pledge to take younger artists under his wing. And he's really done that a fair bit with Gaga throughout her entire career. And I think this is them kind of both talking about this wisdom that they have in different levels. Like he's a lot older and a lot wiser, but they're both kind of talking about having gone through the fire and kind of looking back with this. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they're Um, both cyborgs. Fuck it. They're they're probably, they're probably both cyborgs. You've got that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to, 
I want to touch on... A Thousand on... Doves. A Thousand Doves, did you say? Yeah, love that. I think that's really going to continue to grow on me. I find it very uplifting. Actually, in in the vein of, of Dove by Mooney. Oh! Um, not Doves kind, do not, represent not peace. Not the same. But yeah, it's kind of beautiful. Um... Do you have any other real standouts for you? I've got to say that the quality is very high. And when I kind of, when I said earlier that um, replay was my only dirt, it actually wasn't so much shade to replay. It was more um, a testament to the quality of the rest of the art, the album. And I've actually just checked out the Spotify play counts today from just a weekend of listening, and. Um, everything apart from the singles obviously um, is kind of consistent at the same level and what that says to me is people are listening to the album as a piece of work yes. and as this a, a proponent of maintaining an album as a concept and not reverting to this you know people only listen to singles just throwing out singles here and there I think this album has proven that um, the concept of an album still has has legs and it could still be a success, which we know, but it's good to prove it. Hmm. It's funny, like I found myself, so obviously, as you know, Andy, I'm not sure if listeners know, but each month I'll start a new playlist and I'll sort of have the songs I'm listening to for the month and it'll just be the thing I listen to that month and then when a new month starts, on to the next one. So obviously we're in June now and I found myself adding my songs that I wanted to um, be in my June playlist from from Chromatica. And I was like, I'm, I'm just adding the whole album and I kind of can't do that. Mm. So <laughs> I have picked my favourites and all of, the, all of our favourites we have discussed, I think Alice, Enigma mm. and um, Replay, on top of Stupid Love and um, mm. Rain On Me are probably my favourites. But mm. I, I've also just spent a lot of time just listening to it from beginning to end um, over the past three days. And there's, there's nothing I've skipped. There is nothing I've skipped. Mm. Um, yeah. So all in all, very, very happy with this. Um, right. it, it gave me what I wanted from her. Um, and I think more than anything, it sparks joy. So it was like listening to it from start to finish on Friday was like eating a massive um, king size bag which my mum would never buy me because to be fair to Trish they were really expensive but a massive bag of sweets at the cinema um, and that huge sugar rush um, I, it kind of lasted throughout and I've gone, gone back and back again and I've had a great time now um, it it would not only be quite a boring experience to an oral fixation listener but it would um, be untrue if I said that I, I didn't have any issues with the album and I've thought very carefully at these because obviously I want to tread very carefully, but I think you've demonstrated that you're in a good place with this and you're not really going to take this as a, it's, it's not personal to you, doll. You got that? It's not, it's not on you. Okay. <laughs> go, go. Okay. I'm not right. having okay. fun tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> I keep going back to these dual concepts that we have where you make a very, very good case for why Gaga has has been um, underestimated throughout her career. And I stand with you on that because you bring up examples like um, the switching of genres from her earlier albums to things like Cheek to Cheek to A Star is Born to the Super Bowl to everything she's done for charities. And we know she is one of the most talented people in the stratosphere right now. But I also still believe there's a theory in 
maybe this just speaks to me, like me, myself, but like the article I shared with you last week, it's, it clearly resonates with other people that I still think that to a degree we overestimate her sometimes. And, and, and stay with me on this. There just seems to always be a slight disconnect between the myth and the material. And I'm still trying to articulate it like I have been for the last few years. But since the start of her career, Gaga has has built her brand and been very confident in saying, and we've lapped it up, that she is uh, the next evolution of your Bowie's, your Altons, yes, your Madonna's. And she's succeeded in many of those areas. And she's been just as good as, as, as them at many things, and in some cases, better. But we have the expectation, and then I get the material, and even in an album like Chromatica, which references a genre which I adore, and has 15 out of 16 tracks, which I don't skip, and I, and I love it. I love this album. I'll go back to it time and time again. It's still not giving me what I need, and I wonder, I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I think... I want from her now, it was LG6. She's she's quite mature in her career. I still haven't had a lemonade from Gaga. I still, sadly, haven't had a ray of light. And I say that as someone who froths 90s dance, who just creamed my panties when I saw all of the influences and, and listened to the album, was smiling cheek to cheek, pardon the pun. I really love... <laughs> I really love this album. But you know what? I've got to say it. From an icon of her stature, I I do have to expect more than an album completely built on a 30-year-old genre. And while I enjoy it, and I will go back to it time and time again, I don't think this album is innovative or brings anything new. And I feel like that sounds quite harsh. So I really want to reaffirm how much I love it, but it's just how I felt. I was like, I can simultaneously feel this reverence and enjoyment for an album made of a patchwork of 90s dance references, but from one of the, the maybe let's call her the pop star of, of our generation, she can also do better. And I don't know where that lands. I don't know what you think about that. Um, well, I... <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm not going to say what I want to say, which is let me fucking help you pack your bags now, bitch, because you're fucking out of here now. <laughs> um, no, oh. what I will say, <laughs> what I will say is, um, I, I understand your opinion, um, but I do not share that same opinion. Hmm. Um, I, I like, but what you're saying is interesting. And I, a lot, I've been speaking to a lot of people over the weekend, um, over the internet um, about initial reactions, and it's been, the, I'd say, seventy-five percent positive, but there has been a very yep. vocal twenty-five percent that are like similar to what you're saying, kind of you know, <clears throat> a bit let down or um, uninspired or um, you know, uh, feeling like they didn't get what they were hoping for. Um, and I've had time to think about it. And I think that we put a lot of pressure and I think she kind of puts it on herself as well or asks for it, maybe invites it. Um, yeah, ever since, right. All of these things. Yeah. Ev- ever since mm. the fame came out where she was mm. creating, she kind of created this new type of pop 
which was very self-referential mm. and like, um, well, maybe not new, but she did it in a, in a different way. And, um, and everyone edited up and lauded it. And then the fame months to come. And it was like, whoa, like this is just like this new pop star that is completely redefining how we approach pop music. Ever since mm-hmm. then, I think perhaps we put too much onus on her to like save pop music again or like mm. solve all of our problems and like create this kind of gender gender genre defining um music but at, mm. at, at the end of it like just listening to chromatica made me happy and made me feel somewhat Mm, introspective mm, mm. and inspired mm. me and um, made me like want to dance. And that's kind of mm. all I'm really asking for from her. And, and that's great. That's amazing. Cause, cause I have all of those things too. It made me very happy. It makes you want to dance. It put me in a great mood. And I think you nailed it there that if that's all you expect from her, that's completely 100% fine. Now I'm quite proud in holding my hands up and saying, I think because of everything you nailed with the start of her career and all the way through, I think because of the pressure that she puts on herself, um, I will always expect more from her. And Mm. And I also acknowledge that that might sometimes be unfair. I acknowledge that. But I need to have, um, faith in like a pop savior. When you just said, you know, people expect her to come and save pop music. I do. I absolutely do, because I always need to have one person who's like, there's got to be someone out there who's fighting the fight and leading innovation and and putting everything that we love about a pop star into this this package. And she's done it before, and I will always want her to do it again. Um, and what I think I've come to a place now with, with um, an album of this high quality is I can still have those feelings while... Um, enjoy this album for what it is and I still think it's one of the best things that she's ever done Um, I think she's actually achieved what I think she thought she was achieving but maybe didn't with Born This Way and Art Pop in that I I completely agree she thought she was putting up this like cohesive thing she wasn't we love parts of them but they're both messes in other parts Um, Chromatica isn't a mess it's very um, slick and and well thought out and um, I think she's done a really, really good job. I think it was just important to acknowledge that. Um, I think I'll always expect more from her. And I, and I yeah. think, and, and the 90s reference thing is, I, I will, that will always be a big part of it because it, I wrote at the end of my notes, I wrote top pros, right? And I just tried to keep it to like three. Pros for sure are cohesion, bangers, and concept. Like it's all of those three things. At the same time, I still think that the cons are, in parts, we've both touched on it, can be quite derivative. There's definitely a lack of innovation. And the last one, I think you've proven me wrong on, and what I've read today has proven me wrong, um, is potentially a lack of depth, which I take back because of the lyrics and the high quality of those. But I, I think sonically, I don't think I've heard anything new in this album. Um, and that's also okay. Do you know what? That's fine. It's all, and that, that is all part of the journey, you know, roll on mm. LG7 for Christ's sake. I just mm. feel like, like, and this on a very, very personal note, for some reason, this woman has just got me and her albums come to me at points in my life 
when I need them. Um, whether it's mm. just to kind of dance and have fun and forget about my troubles or to purposefully celebrate my otherness or to um, feel strength in resurrection. The, her albums just strike this note with me and, and approach me in moments in my life when I need them. And right now, mm. what I needed was to hear 16 bangers and mm. feel happy and um, and and hear poetry in both the the lyrics and the um, the classical nature of the interludes oh, and absolutely like, dance um, and sort of celebrate in the margins and feel hope. Um, uh, yes, maybe for a, a planet that is, um, a bit more filled with <laughs> kindness and, um, uh, and positivity than, than the one we're in at the moment. And that's, that's what I've got. And, mm. um, I'm so excited to see what she does next, but for the time being, I am very, um, happy with the, um, with, with my fill this time around. Me too. Me too. I've been filled. I'm filled up. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I'm going to give it a solid eight out of 10. Okay. Eight out of 10 cats. Yes. Cats. Eight yes. Out eight ten out of 10 skinned cats. cats. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, we done skinned the cats, sis. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I really could not believe that I could articulate opinions on an album three days after it came up, but Gaga is very important to us. She's important to me and you personally. She's an important artist to queer people. Um, and our, le- our fame monster episode is one of our most listened to. So we're also doing a bit of clickbait there as well. If you do, um, yeah, if you so... do want to go back and listen to that, then um, feel free to. Yeah, so um, I, I'm going to um, go to bed tonight praying that Drew will speak to me again. Um, and um, Drew, you're going to dance in the margins on Chromatica. Yeah, well, we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> um, no, as always, my darling, I appreciate your opinions so much. I appreciate your scalding hot oolong Roy Bush Earl Grey tea. <laughs> Roy Bush. <laughs> um, but no, I think I think like that actually kind of got to a point halfway through this episode where I was like, we're kind of maybe being a bit too. Um, you know, we, nice. We, we, nice. So I am glad that you um, felt empowered to share your opinions with me, um, and we'll 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 take the rest of this off air. I think <laughs> with lawyers <laughs> in the room. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> I will see you in the parking lot after this, <laughs> and I'll see you on Chromatica. Um, oh. I'm very much there. Yeah, I'm going to go home and just listen to Chromatica 2 going into 911 on loop. So, um, got it. Let's hope got I make it. it back in one piece. All right. Oh. Thanks, sis. This was really, really fun. This and, is so um, much fun. See you next time. See Bye. you. Um, love you and good night.